Welcome to The General Talks, a new podcast by the Kościuszko Institute, where we talk about cybersecurity, disinformation and many more. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and all of the major podcast platforms. Just remember to subscribe General Talks. Hello everyone, uh, my name is Michał Krawczyk and today I have the pleasure to welcome Mr. Lee Foster, who is a manager of information operation analysis at the FireEye, where he leads intelligence team focused on investigating cyber supported influence operations. Welcome to the General Talks, Lee, and thank you for accepting our invitation. Great. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, so last year, you and your team have published a report titled Ghostwriter Influence Campaign, which is the primary reason for our discussion today. But before we we go to, to this point. Let me first start with one InfoOps nerd question. You used uh, in the title the term influence campaign, mm-hmm. but we also have information operations or psychological operations that we've been discussing in this podcast before. So I was wondering what is the difference between them or uh, maybe they are synonyms for you. How do you see it? I think for the most part, they're, they're synonyms to kind of diversify the conversation a little bit. But when we talk about information operations or influence operations, at least in our team, we think of operations being the building blocks of campaigns. So we think of an influence campaign as kind of the higher level entity. And then that campaign can be made up of a series of individual operations. So so there is some distinction there, at least in terms of how we talk about this as a concept internally. But as with so many things in this field, there may be disagreement with that. And I, I don't think there is any kind of set consistent language that different researchers and governments and so on use uh, across across this area. Now moving to, to the Strider report. Could you please try to characterize briefly the the report, the ghostwriter operation, and maybe what what uh, pushed you and made you t- at the beginning to follow and investigate this operation? So we first put out a report publicly, I think, back in the summer of 2020, and we'd been investigating the, the ghostwriter campaign for many months prior to that, following different leads into um, various instances of cyber threat activity reports of compromises of news sites and so on. And so from that investigation, we built out this understanding that there was a there was a broader campaign here taking place, which we, we, we named Ghostwriter. Now, the Ghostwriter campaign back then was, was very much predominantly focused on um, kind of undermining NATO influence in Eastern Europe, particularly amongst audiences in Poland, Lithuania, and Latvia. Um, so a lot of the campaign narratives revolved around how presence of NATO is bad for Europe and how its presence causes uh, problems for local populations in those countries. More recently, we we released a second public report where we noted that in addition to the continued anti-NATO focus, uh, there was also a lot of recent um, focus on domestic Polish politics as well, and a seeming attempt to undermine the credibility of the current ruling coalition within within Poland. So we have seen this uh, kind of slight uh, expansion or perhaps evolution um, of the Ghostwriter campaign since we've been tracking it. So uh, going chronologically uh, with these activities, in the first report that you published last year, you didn't name any, anyone that is behind it. You are very careful with attributing anything to any activities to, any, to anyone, but you do mention uh, Russia, right, from the start? Yeah, in, in the first report, we kind of noted that 
from the outside, at least, some of the, the seeming uh, motivations for these instances of, of cyber threat activity aligned with, with Russian security interests. Though we were, as you rightly um, mentioned, very careful to say we do not actually attribute the campaign to, to Russia. And us saying that was, was our way of just kind of heading off some of those questions. Um, when, you, when you put out a report like this, inevitably, people are going to ask, well, who is it? Right. And we don't know. And we say as such, but, you know, we do know that it is aligned with, with Russian security interests. And, you know, since then, we haven't um, got any th- further on attribution. Second report, for example, we mentioned we specifically do not attribute um, the campaign to a specific entity at this time. This is still um, something that's, you know, kind of under heavy investigation. Yeah, after this, in March 2021, German media reported that some German politicians became victims of the ghostwriter operation uh, that you have analyzed and described. Did you have a closer look on this? And uh, they also mentioned a specific hacking group. Uh, yeah, so so we have looked at that and, and we do believe it is related to the same actors. And I know that German media reported that perhaps there was evidence of, of Russian involvement, but we hadn't seen that evidence and we still haven't. So you know, again, we very much maintain that, that we do not attribute this activity at this time. In the same time, uh, when you published the first uh, report, we, we heard, of course, a lot, a lot about different uh, similar operations that been also attributed to Russian or were aligned with Russian narratives and uh, political goals, take secondary infection. And I was uh, wondering, what are those things that makes the ghostwriter different from from those other online activities and operations that were reported? Uh, yeah, that's actually, it's good that you mentioned secondary infection because that, that um, provides a great kind of um, alternative campaign uh, to, to do a comparison uh, against. And, and there were a number of differences that we identified between the Ghostwriter campaign and the secondary infection campaign. A couple of prominent ones. Uh, one is that um, I think in almost all cases, if not every case in secondary infection, the kind of false personas that they were using to promote their fabricated narratives were all kind of single-use personas that were never reused. Comparison in the Ghostwriter campaign, uh, a number of the false personas they use actually had more established kind of identities and and appeared in in multiple different venues, sometimes across operations over time to promote uh, the Ghostwriter campaign's narratives. So um, that's one key difference there is that it's just the difference in, in the way they were using these these false personas. Um, a second is as it relates to cyber threat, threat activity. Think about things like website compromises and so on. In ghostwriter operations, the, this is quite um, quite common. We detail a number of operations in those reports, for example, that involve the compromise of, of real legitimate news websites, which are then used to post fabricated articles to so that the actors can take advantage of the, the audiences that those those sites enjoy. In the secondary infection case, what we might term traditional threat activity, cyber threat activity, um, is is much more rare. And in fact, there's only been one case that has been reported, and that is um, with regards to the UK trade leaks uh, documents, where there were some, I believe, uh, reports that they had originally been compromised via some sort of cyber intrusion or compromise of a of a politician's uh, uh, email. And so that's the only case that's been documented of of secondary infection being supported by um, traditional cyber threat activity. So that's another big key difference between the two campaigns. As you mentioned at the beginning, the Ghostwriter operation aimed at 
undermining NATO alliance, its troops and the US presence in the CEE region. Lately, we've had also mentioned before attacks on German politicians. And now we hear today, just recently, the Polish high-ranked politicians' email accounts were hacked and their emails are leaking right now through different Telegram channels. And a few weeks ago, the Polish internal security agency, ABW, has published a statement about the incident and attributed it to the Ghost Rider operation. What is your take on that? Yeah, so we were independently tracking that um, uh, uh, Poland-focused activity um, and ourselves did attribute it um, to the the Ghost Rider campaign as part of our investigation. So so we we are definitely aligned there. And what's interesting here is that it's not clear what has has kind of motivated this shift from strictly away from a kind of NATO-focused campaign to one that's also incorporated a lot of, of domestic Polish politics. Now, a lot of it still, you know, appears to be designed to kind of undermine the Polish government, uh, Polish uh, relations with its neighbors and so on. But it is a significant shift from what we'd seen previously from the Ghost Rider campaign. Okay, so to summarize, based on your independent investigation, you can confirm that this attack is a part of the Ghost Rider operation. Yes, yes. Okay, um, so uh, of course we have a series of different activities like this with different characteristics uh, aimed at different countries, but do you have any more examples of of uh, operations that have been attributed by someone else to the Ghost Rider or are happening now? Uh, not currently, uh, not publicly. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Sure. So you, of course, are at the this front of of those of fighting against those operations do you uh, do you see any new trends around influence operations in terms of technology or maybe usage of things like ai or deepfakes yeah yeah absolutely there's a number of 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 big trends that are occurring as it pertains to information operations broadly and i'm I'm talking strictly outside of the the context of ghost rider here but one you kind of alluded to there is 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 the, the use of ai and specifically um, we've tracked uh, extensively um, the use by numerous different actors of of, of um, what are colloquially referred to as deepfake images, but more formally known as artificially generated synthetic media images to for use in in profiles on social media to kind of stand up personas and make them harder to kind of uh, trace who's behind them. Historically, a lot of fake accounts would use stolen photos from real people. And so you could quickly reverse search and identify who those people were and then prove that the, the account you know, was fake. And so we've seen a big shift um, from numerous actors to, to use these artificially generated images instead to, to populate their profiles. And we've done a lot of work uh, on that and the use of AI more broadly uh, in information operations at FireEye. Um, and I even spoke at Black Hat last year uh, on this topic. So uh, if you're interested, be sure to go look that up because we get very much into the weeds about the actual underlying models that are being used um, for these. Uh, Another big trend in the IO space is the kind of commercialization of it. The use of commercial entities to conduct operations has been numerous numerous instances now, uh, many of which have been uh, made public through uh, various social media platform takedowns where private firms have effectively conducted campaigns on behalf of customers. And so there's a whole industry uh, that is emerging around this now. So that's another very big trend. Uh, and then, of course, there's just the, the general expansion of 
of the types of activity, the number of actors that we're seeing. I think over the over recent years, as different people have been watching and kind of perceiving the successes of these campaigns being conducted by different states, different actors, and so on, more and more other actors are kind of you know perceiving value in conducting these types of campaigns. And so there's really been an explosion of activity in this space. Also, your work shows that uh, those influence operations and disinformation operations often go together with cyber attacks. But I think we often look on disinformation, cyber security, like on two different areas. I would say that we probably need more to put this info and info ops into the cybersecurity agendas, discussions and solutions. Would you would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, and obviously, I may sound biased here, obviously, because I work for a cybersecurity company. But I think we've done uh, a very good job of understanding that these are intricately linked. And, you know, in so many cases, we see a kind of overt public-facing influence operations bolstered by covert cyber threat activity on the back end. And you're only going to understand campaigns holistically if you have full visibility into all aspects of that activity. Now, I know I'm not the only one to echo this. I think there's been a lot of public commentary recently, you know, from people very knowledgeable in the field, high up in various governments saying this really should be treated as a cybersecurity issue as well. And and, and bring all of the resources that cybersecurity uh, has to bear on, on this problem space. And I think that's really the only way you can effectively tackle some of these, what you know can be quite complex campaigns, um, because you require all of that kind of additional uh, insight and understanding. I think we can see more and more different actors and interests inside those uh, operations, because of course, we, we started with talking about big operations against NATO troops or uh, against uh, governments, but we also have more and more of private uh, companies working for, for, for different actors and just monetizing this information. Uh, can you see that kind of trend too? Yeah, absolutely. As, as I mentioned before, we definitely see you know the expansion of, of private entities undertaking these types of operations. Uh, whether that be for you know uh, on behalf of state actors or others, uh, but that still has you know potentially the same uh, geopolitical implications. Uh, so it's an important area to 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 uh, continue to to investigate and build our understanding out for. I did want to uh, you know you you asked about um, cyber threat, uh, cyber security, um, cyber threat activity, and, and IO, and, I, and bringing it back to the Ghostwriter conversation, I think the the recent activity in in Poland is a prime example of why it's important to understand all of these domains. Because in some respects, you could argue that the current Poland-focused ghostwriter activity is as much a cybersecurity, a traditional cybersecurity issue as it is a uh, information operations issue. Because you know it's involving these various compromises, right? And it's involving the compromise of, of social media accounts from real people that are used to disseminate this content. Um, there's the reports about uh, email compromises and so on. These are these are cybersecurity questions that, that require cybersecurity solutions. And so that's why it's important to have that, that broader understanding on the cybersecurity side and not simply the uh, kind of over dissemination, propagation of disinformation side of things. Yeah, exactly. Um... This action in Poland looks like a classic hack and leak uh, operation, but what makes it an uh, influence campaign is the way that the threat actors are using the stolen emails. Yeah, exactly. And what would you say are your prediction for the future of, of influence operations? What are the, the areas, tools, or threat actors that we maybe don't see coming to the stage now, but you find worth mentioning? 
I, I think it's uh, important to raise the prospect that information operations actors are continuing to innovate themselves. They're continuing to try to identify new methods of, of conducting operations, new methods of bypassing detection and enforcement, exploring the use of new technologies to help support campaigns. I've mentioned the use of artificially generated photos as one example of this, but it's an early example. I think it's important that we, we recognize that actors will continue to seek, you know, kind of more and more uh, advanced methods to support their operations. I think we'll continue to see an expansion of the number of actors um, that engage in this activity and probably a diversification of motivations as well. Obviously, a lot of what is at least being publicly reported on, you might uh, categorize as, as being within the traditional geopolitical domain. But these tools, these techniques, um, these approaches, these are all readily employable for, for other areas, other domains. And so I think we might start seeing more instances of financially motivated influence activity, where instead of you know trying to influence an audience around a particular political issue, it might be around a particular financial or economic issue. And so I think that's, a, that's an important uh, kind of domain that, that we should be paying uh, increasing attention towards. Can you see any way to 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 fight back that kind of actions at least at these government levels because as as we can see in Poland these actions and this operation against Polish government started with uh, hacking the email account we don't know how but uh, it could be because of some leaked passwords so can you see any technological solutions maybe to to that problem or just raising awareness or something else Yeah, I, I think there's a few here. A couple that I would highlight is, is first, as we've talked about, I mean, this is fundamentally a cybersecurity issue as well. And so naturally, kind of uh, cybersecurity best practices can go some way to helping uh, mitigate at least some of these operations, right? If you can better lock down email accounts, if you can better lock down social media accounts, make it more difficult for the actors to actually gain access to these assets that they're leveraging in their campaigns, it's going to kind of force them to use alternative means uh, to disseminate their, their, their messaging. So employing the best cybersecurity practices to, to kind of, um, you know, secure your, your networks, your assets, your devices um, is, is an important step there. I think actively recognizing this problem and, and, and understanding it is an important kind of uh, way to start mitigating it as well. One thing I've been thinking about in, in the context of of this Pol Poland-focused ghostwriter operation, but other operations broadly, is that, for example, it's important to understand that your personal accounts, your personal social media, your, your, uh, your personal email accounts are, you know, in effect, just as professional as your actual, <laughs> you know, professional email account or your professional social media account in the sense that they're going to be targets for actors that are seeking to use them in these operations. And so you can't have this kind of bifurcated defense where anything that has a government domain is locked down and secure, but ministers and politicians' personal email accounts are not under that umbrella, right? Uh, because that's going to be the avenue through which these, these actors try to to uh to gain access and then thirdly and i think poland's done a, a very good job of this um with regards to the recent ghostwriter activity is open government communication uh, about operations as they occur and actually announcing we're seeing this this is what's happening this isn't real um you know this is some sort of effort to to, to manipulate people um and really getting ahead of that um getting ahead of the narratives and educating 
you know, the target audiences of these campaigns to try to mitigate some of the actual uh, impact of them. Yeah, exactly. And it seems like always it comes back to to the, this human factor at the the basic level that we all in the field of cybersecurity talking about for for years now. Um, so wrapping this up, um, last question. How to follow more of your work uh, regarding the influence operations and uh, and information operations and everything that that you do with your team? Uh, well, definitely keep an eye on the FireEye blog. We also we always uh, kind of publish our our public findings uh, there, whether that be in a report format or a blog format. So um, definitely keep an eye on that. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, Lee Foster Intel. If you want to see my takes on on various uh, developments in the field, and we always announce kind of you know kind of big findings there as well. Um, so definitely recommend those avenues, and just follow you know any kind of uh, FireEye corporate releases again that will uh, document uh, any new findings in the in the IO space. Uh, but importantly, we'll also document our findings in other areas such as uh, cyber espionage and as we've talked about in this conversation these are often overlapped okay that's great we i recommend of course everyone to to follow you on twitter as i do uh thank you very much for for this conversation and very interesting points that you made uh, that was lee foster thank you great thank you